0: Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to part one of our two-part end-of-the-year episode. On this episode, we will be talking about a bunch of our favorites. So we'll talk about favorite song, favorite album artwork, favorite debut album, and we'll even talk about our top three EPs of the year and then on part two we're going to do a rundown of our top ten albums of the year. Um, We've really had the privilege this year along with past years of being able to interview some of our favorite artists on this podcast. Some artists that might even be in our top ten albums of the year or top three EPs of the year this year Uh, we've been able to interview so it's been a great year there's a lot to recap and a lot to look forward to next year I know for me this is one of my favorite episodes we get to do every year just because I like being able to go back through the year look at all this fun stuff figure out what my favorites were through the year and Nate and I would do a top 10 album list and and top three EP list no matter what no matter if we had this podcast or not So this is just a good avenue To be able to share that with you guys as well So Nate, are you ready to jump into part one? Yes sir Alright, we got a bunch to get to So we're going to try to keep this moving uh, But we're going to jump into our first question Which is favorite cover of the year So Nate, what's your favorite cover of the year?
1: Yeah, so this would be uh, Just for clarification Not album cover But but song cover, and not single artwork, but a cover of a song. So, I have a lot of different choices to choose from for a lot of the other categories, and I, like, mention a few more. For this one, there's only two that really, uh, I felt like, they're in a league of their own. The first one is... There's a cover of Tame Impala's Elephant by The Wiggles.
0: Did not hear
1: it. Yeah, well, you're not allowed to die until you do because, you know, it's a medley of elephant and fruit salad, and they just mix them together so well. Just The Wiggles are one of the most, like, I don't know, groundbreaking groups of our time and so it's just a really impressive cover I highly recommend uh, listening to it and then my uh, other one which is my real uh, favorite cover of the year would be Captain Stupido by Runner it's a uh, Thundercats song which I love when these are my favorite covers and sometimes you don't have the luxury because you know it's a cover heading in but I love the covers that you you think are original songs. And so Captain Stupido, for like the longest time, I thought was a runner track. And I was talking to my friend and he was like, you know, it's a cover, right? And I was like, what? And I go and I listen to Thundercats version and they are so different. Like, I don't even know how. How it transformed to sound so naturally like a runner song, um, but Thundercat's incredible too. So, yeah, that's my my favorite cover. What about you, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I. Totally forgot that that was a cover, so it wasn't even on my radar. uh, I need to keep a better list of some of these things through the year so I can think about it, because then I'm kind of end of the year and I'm going through with some of these categories. I have to look through every album of the year again and again and again for each category, basically, and totally forgot that that was a cover so it wasn't on my radar um and honorable mentions actually a new one and i wouldn't say it's like the most outstanding cover but it's kind of hard to not like it's one of if not my all-time favorite song covered by an artist that i've more recently really come to enjoy which is the song fix you initially coldplay but casey musgraves did a cover of it Mm, recently and it's a really good one it's super stripped back um That's where it's like, it's not mind blowing to the point that you're like, wow, you really changed everything. But it's so intimate, so good. I just feel like it's a great, great cover. I had a hard time both picking this one and not picking this as my favorite because it's actually from a band who does as many covers as originals, if not more covers. But this is probably my favorite cover that they've done. Okay. So I am picking a cover from the band R Last Night, yeah, who that covers all life. the stuff. I know you could. <laughs> um, so it's their cover of Masked Wolf's song Astronaut in the Ocean. I think that their cover is just perfect. Like I, I really love that cover more specifically. In fact, they kind of have a shtick that they're doing now. And each cover, you kind of know, first verse, they're singing, second verse, he's screaming it. Like, it feels like their shtick is kind of, they just keep doing the same thing. And they very rarely are getting crazy creative. They're turning pop songs into rock songs. You get it, right? Yeah. I'm not even going to say that this one is like, oh, man, they went really jazzy with it or something like really different. No, they turned a pop song rock like they did their shtick but it works really really well this song somehow just works perfect as a rock cover so um i love that i'll honestly listen to that version of astronaut in the ocean as much if not more than the original i think it's i think it's great so yeah that is my choice all right we're gonna move to our second question which is our favorite music video of the year so you go first nate
1: yeah, so obviously got a shout out music video for Scenery by Valley Heart. Yeah. Uh, Lunchbox Films, we know them. Jacob, Anthony, and Wes, uh, incredible job on that music video. I think it fits the song so well and the yeah. aesthetic. Uh, love the water imagery, the school, the everything about it's really really solid. The glass. Um, another. One I'd like to shout out, True Love by Howdy. Uh, it's such a fun music video. I think Howdy does a really good job at making fun music videos. This one might be their most uh, fun and energetic. Uh, they just make you want to like be young and and pl- play sp- sports or go on hikes or, or just h- hang out and just have a great time. And so I love that love that music video. Motorbike by Leon Bridges another great music video very cinematic, very um, uh, very narrative driven and it's a beautiful song and so and the music video is just as uh, beautiful but I'm going with the music video for Law of Averages by Vince Staples. So Vince Staples uh rapper uh this song is easily one of my favorite rap songs of the year and the music video is it's just like it's so good there's a lot of cool color stuff they do specifically with blue um uh there's a lot of really fun and creative editing and the type of lands not landscape per se but like wider floating shots they have are so cool it's just a really really
0: solid funny entertaining video yeah and so that's
1: my favorite of the year
0: yep. what about you andrew yeah i've seen a few of the ones that you mentioned uh but not your favorite actually which is funny uh so i will have to go check that out um I'm going to give a shout out to a weird music video that I saw more recently that I just think is really really funny and it's Foo Fighters song Love Dies Young. It is weird. They basically CGI Foo Fighters face onto a bunch of um female like Olympic swimmer. I don't know if they're actually Olympians, but um but basically as a um like synchronized swimming team and it's really funny and kind of this weird mix of funny and creepy, and so um, I I don't know if I should be like if you haven't seen it you should see it but it is funny. Um, Those who are intrigued can go on there. Yeah, own. exactly. If you like Foo Fighters, if you don't like Foo Fighters, don't even don't even do it. But um, I like me some Foo Fighters. Um, but. My favorite music video of the year is the music video for the song Blood Letter by August Burns Red. I totally texted Nate about this one and was trying to not give it away, but I just rewatched it. I've seen it a few times now. It it's weird because they don't lean super heavy into like I wanna say it has like some Scott Pilgrim vibes, but like very light like it's not much it's just some lettering some small things but um it's it's a little it's not just a music video i guess it's a little bit more of like a a story yeah. but it's basically the whole band is janitors at this uh grocery store when the grocery store gets robbed and they basically stop the robbery with their instruments as they're playing it's it's just entertaining it's fun yeah. um yeah august burn's reds from my area so i also was like looking and trying to figure out if i knew what supermarket and I have an idea, but I'm not actually sure if they shot it around here anyway, but it's just, it's a fun, fun music video. So I would actually suggest that one over Foo Fighters if you haven't seen it. I think most people will enjoy it somehow. And Um, I,
1: I, I, my personal top recommendation if we're talking about videos that came from this conversation is none of the music videos that were brought up, but Andrew's, scott pilgrim versus the world reference oh watch that film if you have not yes such a that's true such a great movie
0: i don't think about the fact that there's people that haven't haven't seen seen it it.
1: (laughs) like i feel like
0: everyone in all my uh spheres have watched it Uh,
1: so i had never seen it until a few years ago but it was from a pennsylvania friend so maybe it's more i don't know
0: maybe this up here we're we're less into yeah PA loves Scott Pilgrim. I don't, I don't know. Big Michael. You think we would like the pilgrims. You would think so. Yeah. Yeah. But first Thanksgiving happened in PA. Don't fact check me. All right. Let's move on to the third, uh, category. So Nate, what is your favorite instrumental record?
1: Yeah. So I got a few, uh, honorable mentions again. Uh, Promises featuring the London Symphony Orchestra by Floating Points and Pharaoh Sanders was a very critically acclaimed uh, instrumental record. um, Which I'm sure if you're in like the whole pitchfork, paste, like all these different music sites, uh, if you watch Fantano, you've probably heard of that record. But the next Three are much less well-known. Uh, Setsubun by Fubutsushi is a really beautiful, very, uh, nat- it feels nature-driven instrumental record. Piano Piano by Jeremiah Freights. Um Any guesses on what it, uh, instrument it mostly features?
0: No, because I don't know anything. Okay. Out. I'm going to yeah. say clarinet.
1: Yeah, so Piano Piano mostly features uh, the piano.
0: No, it's the clarinet.
1: Okay, maybe. Yeah,
0: actually. See, I needed more I think context you're right. than the let name. Me, let me, I'll, I'll
1: have to go back and listen. Yeah. Maybe it is the clarinet. <laughs> um, and then I'm my, sorry, no, I no, just ruined your whole No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> I, I I, wanted people to embrace the awkward question, and you did. Okay. You Thank embraced you. it. And you you kept up with the awkwardness, <laughs> and then uh, lastly, my actual favorite, and it's the one that by far I've listened to the most, is "Elsewhere" by Hammock. Uh, they're just pros. I think uh, you have to be really patient listening to a lot of Hammock records. Uh, you can't just like throw yourself in it and make sense of it all because it's so slow and uh, so evolving. Um, you really need to take it as one giant piece, but that record is, uh, really, really, really solid. And it's honestly, it's the reason why I pitched, we have a favorite instrumental record Yes, is literally just so I could talk about hammock. So, yes. So, yeah.
0: And I knew what you did with that because at least in my opinion, hammock's the best instrumental band they're actually my favorite. Um so any year that they put something out, which they're pretty good about putting something out, um even collab type stuff, but um anytime they put out a record, it's going to be my favorite instrumental record because they're my favorite instrumental band. All that being said, I have not listened to a second of this record. Mm. Partially because I take my time with hammock. Like I really need to yeah, like. You're, sit you're down. Real, I you're don't really actually take my time with hammock. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's been out for like two months. No, no, a little over a month. But like um it I don't actually like even though they're an instrumental band, I don't like treating them as a background instrumental uh, yeah. music. I treat them more like I would a normal band where it's like, let me sit down and really listen to what you're doing. Um, I have not had the time to do that. In fact, they were on a list when I went through of like, I really need to do that for this category. And guess who didn't do it? Me. So. Clarinet. um, Clarinet. (laughs) Good callback, Nate. Good callback. So that then just became my... My Honorable Mention, I haven't listened to a second of it. It probably would be my favorite. It's completely trust-faith-based. So I'm going to pick a record that I have listened to a bunch and really do love. Um, But it's a soundtrack, and I mentioned it on the podcast before. I know what it is. Yep. Do you want to say it, Nate? Uh. Clarinet?
1: I do not want to say it. I'll let you say it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is the Dune soundtrack, uh, Hans Zimmer. Uh, Hans Zimmer is definitely one of my favorite composers. I think the Dune soundtrack is uh, some of his best work maybe ever, but especially over the last little bit here. Um, I just think it's a really, really incredible soundtrack. Um, So, yeah. It is instrumental. It's not. It's hard. I never want to do soundtracks because I feel like that's just a different thing. But I'm picking it because it's the only instrumental I've really listened to this year. (laughs) That's fine. So, and I'll I'll quick interject at this point, at least for myself. This year, I think 2020 was a year that everyone listened to like nostalgic music um, because it made them feel safe and warm. And I did not. I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't go that nostalgic last year. I just kept listening to some of the incredible records that came out last year. I was still trying to keep up with new music. That being said, 2021 has been, I mean, 50%, if not more, of my music listening has been nostalgic stuff this year. So I'm definitely behind on records that I should listen to. I've definitely had time to listen to hammock that way and i've definitely listened to like old under oath or amberlynn or like some old tooth and nail type records over it um yeah so that's kind of where i'm at so all right we'll move to our fourth question nate what is your favorite album artwork of the year
1: yeah so this is after a category like favorite instrumental record where our options are pretty slim. This is obviously, I mean, such a large category. Um, A few that come to mind initially are uh, a record called History of a Feeling by Maddie Diaz, and a lot of artists will have a portrait-like face shot on the cover of their record. I mean, it's a very common thing, especially for singer-songwriters. And I think that makes them uh, often very, like, tired and very generic covers a lot of the times, I think. And it takes, like, a really exceptional face shot or portrait or feeling or color or emotion to, like, make it work. And so... This record is like a really sad record. It's clearly a breakup type record, and this woman looks broken on the cover, like absolutely broken. Like you can feel the emotion of the record just from looking at the pick, the artwork. And I mean, that's when an album can do that. I think that's so beautiful. Um, so that one, uh, one that I'm sure you'll mention, and if you don't. That's fine, but if I had bet money, I'd say "Iridescent" by Silent Planet. Um, just incredible artwork. I'll let you talk about it. Um, are you talking
0: about it? Actually, no.
1: Okay, well, no.
0: Let's talk I do about love it the now. album artwork. But
1: yeah, really, uh, explosive, uh, and simple at the same time. I think the amount of chaos within the simplicity is really uh, brilliant and yeah, very powerful artwork. Then, uh, last honorable mention, a beginner's mind by Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Um, the artwork, I mean, yeah, it's weird. Like it's very weird, but it really taps into the brightness, the mythology, the, the, the colors, everything just like works so well within the actual record. Um, also, Angela de Augustine. Want to add him as well. As um, well, but my favorite artwork of the year um, is, the, for the record, "Nurture" by Porter Robinson. Uh, it's this beautiful cover of I don't know if it's Porter himself, but he's just lying face down in a field. And it's so pretty, it's so beautiful, and yet that image of him laying face down is so depressing, and like defeated, and that is literally exactly what the record is. It's like, imagine Andrew, you haven't heard this record, have you? No. Imagine like Al City, but for adults, more like will will like a bit more mature, it's like Al City type of brightness. But with lyrics that are, like, very sad and very, like, focused on improvement because of how low one feels. And so that combination within the album artwork is just—it's perfectly done. I think it's definitely my favorite uh, album artwork of the year. What about you, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I had a few honorable mentions. Funny enough, I had thought about Silent Planet, and then I was like— Okay, but maybe like, well, I had them for a lot of stuff here too, so I was probably That's tough too with the categories. Yeah. Trying to not overcrowd them. So they weren't even an honorable mention, but now I feel bad because I do think it might be better than some of the ones I had as honorable Yeah, you should feel bad. But, um, so some honorable mentions. Um, I really like Leon Bridges' Gold Digger Sound uh, cover. It is simple. It's basically him, but he's... Leon Bridges, to me, is one of the most fashionable men out there. And so he's got a pretty, like, he just looks great in whatever he's wearing. And then he's the, the gold, gold standard. behind it. I don't know. It's He is the gold standard. Plus, we got the vinyl, and it's gold, and it's awesome. So, like, I feel like just in general, the whole look of it feels really awesome. Um, I also really like Andrew Bell's Nightshade. I think mm. just... It fits the album really well. Um, it's a little darker. But, yeah, just feels like it fits the music really well. Um, I was telling Nate, this, this was a hard one for me. Um, I'm going to go with Charlie Martin's Imaginary People. Yeah. It is not – usually I actually judge this on, okay, I'm at a store. I'm looking, which I don't do this anymore, but, like, I'm at a store, I'm looking through the CD section, yeah. and I'm picking something based on cover. Yeah. Um, you're at which the library figuring out which CDs you're going to steal and burn. Exactly, exactly. Nate knows how it's done, or how it used to be done before you could just stream. Um, and that's what I would say Andrew Bell or Leon Bridges would be for me. Charlie Martin's not that. In fact, if I looked at that cover straight up, I would be like, oh, is this like... What is It's this? probably folksy, but like what is yeah. this? Um cuz it it does not strike you as like amazing artwork. But in our interview with Charlie, the more we were talking about the album, the more I listen to that album, not only does it fit the sound of the album, but it actually has meaning to mm-hmm. it. There's actual and and it's cool because Charlie Martin's vague about a bunch of this stuff and won't give much away so I love that there's meaning in the album artwork you can attribute more meaning depending on what you're taking out of the album so I just feel like it's so tied to the music where it's not just like like I'll say Andrew Bell's Nightshade cover is so cool it could fit on any of his albums mm-hmm. but Unless Charlie Martin wants to keep going with some of the same concepts and ideas, it does not work with another one same with Leon bridges like they're cool those are cool album covers that stand alone like as like or like could be basically any album. This one has to be this album, so that's what made me choose it um as my favorite artwork,
1: yeah, so real quick before we transition. What you said about not wanting to include Silent Planet because it's, like, overcrowded is exactly why I didn't include Charlie Martin. In
0: <laughs> yeah, I I, I, like... I get that. Yep. All right. We'll move to our next question. Nate, what was your most disappointing release of 2021? Yeah, so I—with
1: I, all these different uh, categories, I think— the person's own perspective will drastically impact why they put certain records there. Uh, I have it titled on my screen, like, Albums I Wished I Love. Like, that's how I'm viewing most disappointing. Uh, just, like, albums I wish, like, man, I really wish that I love this record. Um, Scaled and Icy by 21 Pilots. Trench? Like, 21 Pilots, I know they're like a teenage girl bands at times Trench was such an incredible record and I loved it so much I didn't like it at first it was one of those growers but like I loved it so much that I was wicked excited for 21 Pilots next record and this album sucks so much like it lacks all the creativity and like Uh, risk-taking and experimentation that Trench had, and it just went for generic and boring. Um, And yeah, I'm like really pissed about it, to be honest. Um, Ben Howard, Collections from the Whiteout. I love Ben Howard's first two records. They're two of my favorite records, probably two of my top hundred records of all time. Um, And... I've just been waiting for him to release something close to it since, and he just hasn't. Um, bachelor, which is uh, Palehound and, uh, and J Uh they're, they're now a duo as well as their own projects under bachelor. They released a record called doom and son, which has some really incredible tracks, really cool parts, but I wanted to love it. And I just didn't love it. And that's why I am i don't think it's a bad record. It's on our 52 list of best albums of the year. It's overall decent, but I wanted to love it because I love J. Sum so much and I can't wait for her next record. Um, and I just didn't love it. But my biggest disappointment with the album I wish I loved the most is the record Wilds by Andy Schaff, Andy Schaaf, The Party, top 10 record of all time for me. Um, just absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. His storytelling is some of the best I've ever heard. And he went so far over the deep end on his next record for storytelling overboard. I mean, um, and this record it's better than his last record, but it's, it's just, it's just not the same. And I'm disappointed. I don't, I don't need the exact same record as the party, it's okay that he's mixing things up. I just wish I liked the track similarly close. So, so yeah, those are those are mine. Andy Shoff, the uh, not the Wilds, Henry Jameson, Henry Shoff Wilds. Uh, what about you, Andrew? What's uh, your most yeah. disappointing record or some of them?
0: What's interesting? We haven't talked too much about Twenty One Pilots, and as much as it's not currently. My favorite of theirs. In fact, it probably currently is my least favorite that they've put out in a while. That still, I still feel like Bad 21 Pilots is better than a lot of other bands for me. Mm-hmm. So they didn't make it in my top 10, but they made it into an honorable mention. Oh, wow. So you really 10. like the record overall. So I do like the album. And... I think it does feel like more of a collection of songs, but it's interesting because you point out like risk-taking, and yeah, I don't think there's very many songs. There's a few songs that I'm like, okay, you wouldn't have done that before. Um, there's some like nostalgic 80s vibes here and there. Um, it probably is their safest album, and I would love to see them push themselves more in the future, but I was disappointed earlier, but it's definitely already grown on me. Um so and to be fair
1: I haven't even listened to the full record I was so upset I couldn't even get yeah. through it but like Andrew and I'm not and I'm going to be an asshole right now Yeah let me read these lyrics for you Okay slow down on Monday not a sound on Wednesday might get loud on Friday but on Saturday 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 we paint the town Like If those aren't their best lyrics they've written to date? Like is that what you're getting? How do you not throw up in your mouth
0: listening to a song like that? I don't know. What if if that was a make a wish kid's dream was to write some (laughs) twenty-one stream and you just shit on that kid's dream? But I'm not not
1: shitting on the kid. I'm
0: uh Yeah, no, I I get that. That is that is not um I would say that they probably on this album went for they focus more on music than depth. And even depth of music, I wouldn't say is there either. And that's where, like they didn't push themselves musically. What they did musically was fun and cool. again, I really like it, though yeah, um, and it grows on me. I think I actually needed to be disappointed right away for yeah. it to grow to the point of where I like it now. Um I, I was talking with someone about this and I don't want to take too too long, but I feel like expectations are huge.
1: Yeah. Um, I was definitely. talking to a friend
0: who was disappointed by Dune because they thought it was gonna be this huge action movie and it was like very political and and like didn't have near as much action and they were lost and and I was like I just feel like expectations for things are huge and twenty one pilots to their credit, creates crazy expectations yeah. with an album. No, you're and right. I mean, so
1: I, I was expecting a good album, and so when I got a bad album, I was disappointed because it didn't meet my expectations. Sorry, I was, I was being. I'm intentionally I know, like you're, still yeah, yeah, no, I know you're still I'm, dissing I'm, them. Yeah, I know you're still dissing them. I'm being. But I'm I would say facetious. that their
0: bad isn't, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in any way, but like, isn't as bad as Switchfoot's bad got. Um, in my opinion. Well, yeah, um, but where, switch
1: switch, switch it kind of went like this. We'll see what the next 21 pilots records
0: like, yeah, but yeah. yeah. And again, it's fine. that For Those you listening. Nate's hand was a gradual, like a gradual yeah, slope. That's true. So, um, yeah.
1: Okay. And let me actually like answer it. the yeah, answer. Answer. Yeah. the
0: So, um, I had two albums that came to mind that I hadn't really listened to because what I'd heard, I wasn't loving. So my honorable mention, but it's like it's so mean to say honorable mention when you're saying most disappointing, isn't it? Dishonorable like, mention. Hey. It's not the most disappointing, but still disappointed. Um, is Billie Eilish's happier than ever? I really liked Billie Eilish uh before. I don't mind sad Billie Eilish. I think she's like lo fi. It kind of at times can be like a nine inch nails type of sound and i don't mind that more depressing sad sad billy sound um that being said this whole album is that except for the song happier than never which is by far my favorite where it gets big at the end she just doesn't have the dynamics on this album um vocally she crushes it um it's not a bad record and that's that's the thing i'll say is like It was just disappointing to me because I feel like I'm never really going to go out of my way to listen to it. I have given it now a shot, and I'm like, yeah, it is disappointing. It just doesn't have much there to get excited about. I feel like anytime I'd be like, ooh, next song, it's so quiet and low, you're like, okay, hold on, let me just, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just not what I want. Out of Billie Eilish. So I was disappointed. Um, But it's not bad. This next one. Not only was I disappointed by how quiet and kind of low it was. But the more I listen. The more I realize. I think it's borderline bad. Um, Which also sucks. Because this artist's first two albums were really, really good. Long Break. And then this album. And it's Lord's latest album, Solar Power um took me a while to even get to it because i hadn't heard any single that i loved and honestly the production the i don't like some the lyrics the feel it's just wrong i think it's wrong lord has such a good voice and the songs don't do her any justice like I couldn't find a song that I was like, okay, this is like really good, and I'm probably being overly mean. And there's probably people that like this album, but even the fact that like Lord is a huge artist, and there was such a build up to this, I feel like of like, oh, Lord's got a new album, and then I didn't hear anyone, and and a lot of my friends really like Lord, and I haven't talked to anyone about it, but like, no one talks about this album in my circles or spheres. I'm not seeing a lot online, like. Oh, Lord's new album? Maybe uh, I really should research. Maybe people don't like this album. And I would say if they don't, that I agree. I think it's a disappointing album. So I should say this next category we're going to do is favorite comeback albums. So like albums after a bad album. And what's funny for me this year, there's a lot more comeback albums than there are disappointing releases. I felt like ev- almost every band that did a bad album before fixed it. With this one And so The amount of bands that Would have been on Disappointing release From their last album That are now on Comeback album (laughs) It's just funny So I'm like I'll take that trajectory I'll take Album More albums on my Comeback album list Than Disappointing Yeah It's true So So yeah Nate do you wanna Tell us your favorite Comeback album
1: Yeah So I think the Comeback record is like A really interesting Category because It's like what constitutes a comeback? Like, is it a mediocre record and then a great record? Does the record have to be terrible? If the record, are we focusing on like the biggest gap in quality, or we (laughs) focus on the highest heights? Like, it's it's to each their own. Um, But for me, I would say I was focused less on how great this new record was, and more focused just on like the difference in between
0: the records. My prediction is we're going to say the same album here. Well, for the top, yeah.
1: I think that's a no-brainer if I had to guess. But for honorable mentions, Z2 EP, I think uh, Devil Wears Prada, to me, feels like they're back. And I don't mean back as in... Like, this Zombie 2, it sounds very different than Zombie 1. Like, it's... I'm not trying to say, like oh, they have their old sound. I think they're actually sounding newer and more evolved, but I love their newer sound. And what gives me the most confidence is listening to Sacrifice. Sacrifice is one of my favorite singles of the year, and so very happy with Devil their Prada. I think ne- I'm really excited for their next record because of the EP. Um, the band Porches uh, released a record called All Day Gentle Hold, and... Porches is one of my favorite records uh, of the last or the previous decade. With a uh, pool, it's an incredible like '80s synth-driven record. Car is one of my favorite songs of all time. And after that, that that record was their sophomore record. The next two had some really good singles, really good songs, but the whole record just both of them are really lacking in front. Back to front to back type of uh, quality. Uh, and this record, I think, is consistent all the way through and just a really solid record. Um, actually, it said True Love by Howdy as another honorable mention. I was not the biggest fan of their last record after Cranberry. I thought Cranberry was phenomenal. And the Cathedral on that record is one of my favorite songs of all time arguably my favorite howdy song so it had some great tracks but it it had some really weak tracks and generically speaking overall i thought the songs were a bit weaker and howdy came back on fire with this new record but our shared pick is Entero bang by switchfoot and uh i i'm a big fading west guy i know not everybody is after fading west Uh, They had Where the Light Shines Through, which I hated at the time. I've grown to like it more. And the biggest reason why I've grown to like it more is just because of how bad their album after it was, which is uh, Native Tongue. Uh, Native Tongue has a few okay songs, uh, but overall, I think Switchfoot for me, they were heading towards irrelevancy. Um, And this record is not my favorite Switchfoot record. It's not on my top five. I don't love it, but it is such a step in the right direction. And it does feel like a comeback to where I have a lot more confidence that their next record will be solid as well. And you could tell they push their boundaries. They push their limits. I'm so excited to watch the, um, documentary on the creation of the record. The, uh, their producer seemed like a real hard ass and, uh, I think that was really fruitful for them in the long run. So, Andrew, what about you? What were some of your favorite comeback records?
0: Yeah, so the first one that just came after an album that I like but I don't love is, but the new album's great, is Wage War's newest album, Manic. Um, I really like that album. It's one of my favorite metalcore metalcore albums of the year. I don't listen to a ton of metalcore um, these days, but that Wage War's probably what been one of my favorite metalcore bands the last few years. I feel like they do everything that I want. They got plenty of singing. Um they got great screams. And Manic does some really cool stuff between certain songs that the guitars are like insanely cool and certain songs that are very like production, like heavy. It's it's really cool. So I love that album. And that album before this got pretty poppy, I would say, just there's like a few songs that there's no screaming, um, even some songs that do sound very poppy, um, like four-chord pop music a little bit more. So I didn't love that album, so I'm glad to hear they're back in my opinion. Metal in general actually feels like it's back. Uh, it feels like there was a lot of bands that were going softer. Devil Wars Prada was one of them, but I did actually appreciate they didn't go poppy. They, they were just trying. They got really experimental. And actually, I thought that their album before Z2 here, um, that's grown on me. It's not my favorite by any chance, but I've I've respected the album, maybe even more than I've liked it. Um, but I'm still really happy to have Devil Wars Prada where they're at now. Um, it's a better, better fit. Um, then an album that I would say equally, maybe not equally, but pretty closely... Uh, mirrors the switchfoot which I'll get to in a second um, gap is Coldplay Coldplay is one of my favorite bands of all time I love Coldplay I did not like Everyday Life Everyday Life to me is their worst album is this even a hot take I think it's their worst album ever Um, I think there's a couple good songs the problem is that there's 16 songs. So when you have a couple good songs, that means by far the majority of songs are just ugh. And there's too much. I'm not a huge fan of stuff in between songs that like break apart uh, stuff unless it really fits your album. I don't love a lot of talking stuff. I don't love a lot of extra added sounds, what, what have you. Um And they were doing some of that. It just. It felt like it was them going for this really big concept album. And I understand what they were going for. But I don't feel like they did a good album. I think Everyday Life is kind of crap. But I really like Music of the Spheres. And I really like it to the point that like it is very poppy. Like it. I mean, I don't know what else to say besides it's very poppy. It's probably safe. It's probably a lot safer than everyday life is. But I think every song is good. I enjoy every song at a bass level. And there's some songs that I really enjoy. And I'm like, I don't need Coldplay to be crazy complex. They've done that before. And that's my favorite Coldplay. But they still have to be like really good at the core so they can't get too experimental that they're not good um and so i felt like i'll take a safer just really solid album which i feel like music of the spheres is um but yeah my number one comeback album of the year is in bang by switchfoot um i liked native tongue a little bit more than you right away but that's just because i think some of the few good songs on the album were really the ones that stuck out to me. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. Oh, yeah, it's fine. And I hadn't really paid attention to the bad ones. But the more I paid attention to the bad songs, the more I was like, oh, okay. No, nope, this is this is bad. I don't like this. Um, I forget the name of the album before that one. But I did like that one more than you did. Uh, but similarly, I just think there's a few songs um so like holy water or whatever that like i really liked a few songs from yeah. that um as well but i think Interobang is their best since fading west um you said it's not in your top 5 wow well, that's tricky that's tricky so for me it's close
1: for me it's like and this isn't a tight i'm not exactly sure but it's like nothing is sound beautiful let down um Fading West, Vice Versus, then probably Hello Hurricane. And then after that I might put Oh
0: Gravity. Like Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And so I would top, probably put Yeah. I would probably put all the albums you just mentioned, which is six albums including Oh Gravity, your your sixth, which is higher for me. Um it's probably seven for me. Like I do think I would put every other album before that, but They do some – I feel like they took risks on Native Tongue. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they played that one safe. Um, But it felt like every risk that they took was the wrong risk. It did not pay off. It was just them doing something that felt uninspired in the end. It was like, oh, we're going to do something different. And then it's like, oh, but that didn't work. It didn't uh, Payoff. They take some risks on the new album, and it works. Yeah, I think yeah, every risk they take works. Um, I think every song is good. This, I'm more new to this, so I probably have. I, yeah. I was telling Nate, I really had not listened to this album. This was another one I was like, maybe it's going in disappointing. Like I don't know. Yeah. I have not found much reason to listen to it. And the more I was listening, I was. I texted Nate. I was like. I think I'm missing out on something. <laughs> like, Switchfoot actually put out a really good album. And similarly, I don't feel like people were talking about it. No one was like, oh, Switchfoot's new album's great. You yeah. should listen. And so I didn't go out of my way to listen to it. But I think it's a really, really, really good album.
1: Yeah, in terms of risk-taking, and we we do need a transition. But, I mean, Switchfoot yeah. was kind of what we listened to growing up. So, I mean, it's them and Amberlynn and those guys, all those guys. But, dude, when I, first off, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm about to go on a long rant. I need to not. No, you're good. When I heard the first single, I Need You to Be Wrong, I was like, this song is like weird. And I was so happy. I didn't even like it. I was like, I don't like this song, but it's weird. And that gives me hope for Switchfoot because it's been too generic. They've been too generic. Dude, Wolves is one of the coolest Switchfoot songs of all time. It is so weird, so interesting for them. Um, And there's obviously a lot of other bangers on the record, but they're more straightforward compared to those two songs. But yeah, they really mix it up for them.
0: Yeah, I I feel like, and I'm pulling up the song title because, again, this is newer for me. I don't have these memorized here. But even a song like um, Fluorescent reminds me a lot of Oh Gravity. Yeah, definitely. Even though it's different... But I'm like, okay. I I texted my wife, Amy, and I was like, there's some, like, throwback in here, too, which is cool. So it felt like nostalgic Switchfoot mixed with, like, almost like, I don't want to compare them to a band that they know and play, but, like, a a Colony House type. Like, there's some, like, newer, like, what newer bands are doing. That Switchfoot's never done. They seem to lean into some of those types of things that are big risk for them, um, but yeah, with with certain songs there, um, I think "I Need You to Be Wrong" sounds a lot like Gungor from "Ghosts mm. Upon the Earth," which is one of my all time favorite uh, albums. I yeah, love that's that interesting, album. and. Like the music, the production—it's—it's actually dangerously close. But what's cool is that album's like ten years old, so it's not like Switchfoot's like, oh, what's cool and hip right now that we can copy. (laughs) You're like, they definitely came out with it themselves fully. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. I love that. All right transitioning our next question is favorite legacy album so how we defined a legacy album was it had to be a band or artist's fifth album or later so it's a, a much established band but one that makes uh it depends how i guess you took it how i took it is it's cementing their legacy at that point that like okay you've had enough good albums by this point that you're gonna go down When you retire, you're going to go down as a great band. That's how I took it. If you define it differently, feel free to redefine it before you say your stuff. But Nate, what is your favorite legacy album?
1: Yeah, so I took it a little differently. I just took it like it's a band that's been around for a while that released a good record. Um, So like for me, one of the bands, and it's – the other 3 I've like really listened to a lot, but one of the bands, it's the first record of theirs that I've liked. And so it's like it's like the record that I got into them with even though it's their 5th record. So it's the record Watching the Grass Grow by Ruby Haunt and the band it's actually their track record is incredible. They've released I I don't know the exact whether it's 5 or 6. But the past five years, they've released a record every single year. Wow. And so they have just been so consistent. Um, And there's been bits and pieces that I've liked, but I've never liked a full record until this one, which I really like. Um, And it's very subtle. Like, it's almost too subtle, but... Um, and I do think it hurts them at times. I wish they explode, not exploded a bit more, but hit a little bit harder, but they're so good. Um, I had bang by Switchfoot. Um, I also had The Million Mass of God by Manchester, which I'm assuming is on your list, um, and I'll let you talk about them. But the one I gave it to was All Day Gentle Hold by Porches. It's their fifth record, and this is my one part of this to rant quickly what's tough about these year-end lists is how first off the year's not even over and second off like there's so much music we're playing catch up like this record i started liking two days ago like i had listened to bits and pieces and i liked some of the singles when it came out but I never like actually listened to it. Because it was a band that, and I brought them up on Comeback, that I kind of gave up on a bit. Um, and so I, as I was revisiting a lot of records I never listened to thoroughly, I listened to this and I was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And so um, give us grace with our list because we're still figuring it out. I'm sure a lot of these will change. But yeah, All Day Gentle Hold by Porches, favorite legacy record. What about you, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I have the most honorable mentions here. This was my hardest category outside of narrowing down top ten and and stuff. This was the one that I was like, dang it. Um, So I'm going to quick list all of the honorable mentions. You already mentioned Manchester Orchestra, Million Masks of God. Um, Love that record. Um, you mentioned Switchfoot's and Tarot Bang. I'll also mention Need to Breathe into the Mystery. Haven't listened to it in enough, but um, I thought it was pretty good. But again, yeah, it's good. It's solid from what I've heard. Again, um, John Mayer's Sab Rock. I really like that album. Uh, the Killers' Pressure Machine. I personally like the abridged one because they have a lot of talking in between and I totally get what they're doing again, but I just want to hear the songs, not a bunch of talking. And so um, but I like podcasts. that album. I know exactly. <laughs> I don't like hearing people talk. So, <laughs> um, And then also Coldplay's Music of the Spheres. But I went with Thrice's Horizons slash East. Um, I think... I like that record more than Palms, the one that came before it. But one thing, they had released quite a few albums, then they had broken up for years, and then came back. And, and with every album, it's felt like, okay, cool, I get another Thrice album, because I thought that they had quit too young, but like I thought they were done. So what's cool is I feel like this record was really the first one, it's like, it's not like, okay, we're back. We have this new record, which is amazing. But, like, it's not their we're back album. And it's, I think Palms was kind of there, like, okay, we need to write a record album. Like, let's get back into how we write a record, not over years and years of having stuff that we can work through, but, like, while we're a touring band and stuff. Horizons slash East, this album is probably their most experimental in a while they do a lot with changing time signatures which has really never been a thing that thrice has done uh in the past at least to my knowledge they got pretty experimental with some stuff and i felt like this solidified them not only as one of my favorite rock bands of all time which they have been for a little while but also as a band that that still really cares this late into what they're doing and I feel like solidifies the fact that they're going to go down again in my mind as a band that never quit. They never put out a bad album like I, I think at this point if they're trying this hard they're probably not going to put out a bad album. It's just varying uh, good to great in there. So um, I love that album. I'm glad you brought this record up because I didn't even know it came out. Okay. There <laughs> so. you go. I should have actually told you more about it. Uh, funny story. I, I should be fair. Big Thrice fan over here. Like really big Thrice fan. Nate knows that. Um, one of my friends, Eric, one of my good friends, Eric, also huge Thrice fan. And man thrice was putting out singles and they sounded so good and we're hanging at at a party and so i go yo eric i was like we haven't been able to talk about this in person but those thrice singles are crazy good i was like i feel like this record's gonna be amazing and he's like yeah you know it came out right (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "What?" So this party's on Saturday. Apparently, it came out the day before, mm. that Friday. Totally missed the release. That's In my head, it was a November release and I think it was October no, or September. This was October and it was September. Yeah. That's it. Um it was like the month technically like the month before what I was expecting and I was like, "Are you serious?" And I think I was sitting there so shocked. Like, Amy's laughing at me. And literally, when we go to leave the party, like, I'm like, you know what we're listening to, right? And she's like, yeah. So we listened to Thrice on the way home. Like, but uh, the same way that you didn't know that it came out, um, I also missed it. And I felt like you should take my, I'm a huge Thrice fan phrase that I said at the beginning like that card should be taken away like you're you're not obviously that big of a fan if you miss that the entire album came out so no, um, that's fine we'll offer some but yeah listen listen to it I think you'll like it I think I don't know All right, moving on to our next this is best side project album that should be self explanatory so Nate what's your favorite side project album
1: so I have three here um Found in the Smoke by Joe Van, who's from Indian Lakes. Uh, a Beginner's Mind by Sufjan Stevens and Angelo De Augustine. So it's a side project for both those artists. Um, but my number one is Imaginary People by Charlie Martin. Um, I don't want to talk much about any of those records because I'll talk about them later.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I uh, had Joe Van and Charlie Martin there. Um to be fair, and I'm going to put this out there, I've liked Sufjan's album, but I I have not given it the time needed, so you're not going to find me mentioning Sufjan's album, even though I know it should be, and that's probably the biggest album that I'm like... I wanted to fit into more categories, but I felt like I was only putting it there, knowing that it would end up there at some point, but it yeah. wasn't currently there, and that felt dishonest, yeah. Um. and so that's why you're not going to find me talking Sufjan, he's not going to be in my top 10, um, even though I'm sure that album's going to end up there, I have not given it enough time, so I do apologize um, for that, but... All right. Uh, the one that I did pick between Joe Van and Charlie Martin, I picked Joe Van. Um, I think just I like that record a little bit more. Now, it's an easier album, I would say, to like. Charlie Martin's has a little bit more to it, and I would say it's a little bit more unique. So I would say it takes more work to like it, but I do love that album. But yeah, I went Joe Van Found in the Smoke. This was actually hard. The next category we go. Into favorite debut album It's tricky because a lot of these side projects Are considered debut albums as well So it's really hard because there's a lot of double up At least for me with some differences So it it was hard trying to define these two But yeah, Joe Van's Found in the Smoke Great side project album Jovan, I think we already talked about this Kind of in the podcast But some of the best from Indian Lakes That's come out in the last little bit Is Jovan Like it, he... It's very different, but uh, he crushes it. There's as much thought and work put into that album that would be a normal project. And same with Charlie Martin. He put so much work into that as well. But All right, moving on to our next one. Nate, what is your favorite debut album? So, as Andrew mentioned, we're not including any side projects.
1: Um, for all of these records are like really um, big records for me this year like love them all Uh, so I have Always Repeating by Runner Always In Motion by Mini Trees New Music and Big Pop by Another Michael but my top debut is Ways to Get Out by Far Caspian and Uh, that record oh man I love that record so much it Took me by surprise. I've known about Far Caspian for years. He's been releasing singles and EPs for almost four years now. So when this record came out, I thought it was like a third record or something. But it's his debut. And it shows like Yeah, where we're at in terms of like single releases and EPs and stuff. But it's it's a record that I found this to be true with certain movies I've watched recently and some records where it's like I listened to it and I wasn't able to put my finger on much. Like, I wasn't able to, like, clearly remember what I listened to or navigate it, but I was like, wow, that was beautiful. And only now do I, like, know it well enough and know exactly where it goes. Actually, Always Emotions by Mini Trees is very similar. It's weird, like... It's hard to like track with it and know what's going on, but, but yeah, I love that Far
0: Caspian record, but I'll talk about that record later as well. Um, all right. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, it's funny. All I knew every album that you mentioned there, which uh, maybe has happened in the podcast so far, but, uh, there's been quite a few records I didn't know about that you've mentioned or songs or things, um, But it's also funny because I was realizing I know all those bands because you told me about all those bands. Nate, especially this past year, but Nate's always been better at showing me new music. And so honestly, there's very few debut albums, especially in a year like this year where I wasn't actively seeking out new albums um, that I would have heard about without Nate I thought you were going to go with another Michael. That was. Yeah. I would have put money on it, actually. So I'm glad I didn't. It finished Um,
1: second. It was close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But Far Caspian, Nate had told me about recently, um, along with another band. And I have liked what I've heard. So, um, but haven't listened enough to make it in there. Because of that, I didn't put. Oh, also runner. Um, I was trying to figure out if I was defining that as debut, and I should have, but in yeah. my well, head that's I got true. scared to I might be and wrong so, to be honest, because Well luckily it's you didn't pick it as your first anyway, yeah, it it's doesn't matter. So like it's not technically I had to debut, find it. But yeah.
1: But his other I, I record know. doesn't it's, even exist anymore. I
0: know, I know. It, and so this is his I yeah. might have – I still wouldn't have chosen it as my favorite, but it definitely would have been an honorable mention where I didn't even put it in this category because yeah, I wasn't I. sure that it was I should have left it off. Um, but. No, I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. And I think even from our interview, and I'd have to go back, I feel like he's treating this as that. Mm-hmm. I feel like he almost is acting like, yeah, you can't find the first one. I was kind of doing it all myself. I didn't give it enough time and effort. Um, where this, I think he's really, at least mentally, like this is his debut album. Yeah. So I think if he defines it that way, you're fair to define it that way. Um, I just hadn't thought too much uh, about it. Um, so my honorable mentions were Joe Van and Charlie Martin, just because... I wasn't thinking about a lot of those other debuts, but I didn't go with them because I was like, they're side projects. I really wanted this to be not side project. So initially I had like Jovan taking one and Charlie Martin taking the other, but the only one that's a true debut album outside of side projects, which is my number one is mini trees. Always in Motion. That album is really, really good. And this is probably an album for me um, that, is growing really fast to the point that I feel I feel like there's a chance years from now I look back and I go oh why didn't I actually listen to mini trees more why didn't I talk about mini trees always in motion more like during this podcast but it's a really good album once again Nate introduced me to mini trees it would have been a year and uh, close to 2 years ago uh now but Lexi like both EPs she put out before were excellent yeah. and then this album equally as good as EP but somehow it's hard to capture EP magic in a full album and I think she did well,
1: so and what I think's really incredible about it is it's not as I don't know how to phrase it. It's going to come across as a negative when it's a positive. It's not as immediately beautiful. It's not as catchy as her past EPs. Like, she doesn't have those singles that are just, like, bangers, like Slip Away or... or yeah, it's just, like, she doesn't rely on those types of singles. The whole record is just constructed with all these songs that fit together so well and are really weird and interesting. The melodies are catchy, but not in a normal way. I just think it's such a great record without
0: being what you'd expect. Yep. So. All right. Let's move on to our next one. Our next one, Nate, what is your favorite record label? Yeah, so...
1: This is similar to instrumental, the instrumental category, where I really just want to talk about Run for Cover quickly. Um, Run for Cover this year has released Mini Tree's most recent record, or, or debut, Runner's record, another Michael's record, Sun June's record, Fiddlehead's record, Citizen's record, and uh, One Step Closer's record, which I also believe is a debut, though I could be wrong. And... It's really the only record right now, record label. I mean, that I feel like has a hand, more, even more than a handful of artists that I really like. Some other labels might have one or two or a few. I would say the next closest might be Triple Crown at this point. Um, but Triple Crown's after losing From Indian Lakes, they kind of lost some star power for me. So, so yeah, I mean. There's not really a close second for me. It's run for cover.
0: Um, I kind of knew what you were doing, similar with uh, (laughs) instrumental. Yeah. Um, But I still did my due diligence, and I was like, okay, if it's not run for cover, who could it be? Yeah. It's run for cover. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) I I wrote down just the artists that they have there, too. And I was going to say, a bunch of them released this year. So, yeah, Mini Trees, Runner, Sun June. They have Turnover. They have Horse Jumper of Love. They have Field Medic and another Michael. Like, those were just some of the artists that stuck out to me. Like, they kind of own the indie space right now, I feel like. Um, Probably my favorite of all time would be, like, a Tooth and Nail. Like, I love Tooth and Nail. But as far as just who has their fingers on the pulse of indie music and signs the best indie bands right now it is run for cover um we've talked about them on the podcast probably the most or second most to um possibly tooth and nail just because we've interviewed so many of their artists and they come up whether it's in our question or if someone's like oh yeah when we signed a run for cover or run for cover approached us about this or that like um only heard good things about working with run for cover too so feels good to promote them where we know some other record labels that Maybe we wouldn't want to promote on the podcast. It feels good mentioning Run For Cover because uh, only, at least for me, only heard good things about them. So um feels good. All right. Uh Next category was another super tricky one for me. No standouts for me, but let's see if there's a standout for you. Nate, what was your favorite song of this year?
1: Yeah. So... I'm trying to figure out how many songs I want to mention. I'm actually deciding, you know what? I'm only going to mention two songs. Now, it's there's plenty I could have chosen, but I do think that these two, at the end of the day, were easily my favorites, and the ones that made me feel the best listening to. Um the honorable mention is Blame game by the band Beach Bunny. It's uh, kind of pop punk alternative, but uh, indie like it's just a combination of a ton of stuff and the song's about like uh, basically like blaming girls and blaming women for like men being animals. Um, and just how like messed up that is but it's really well done but the reason why I like it so much is just how catchy it is obviously I love the lyrics too but it's just so catchy Um, I think it's one of the catchiest songs of the year but my favorite song of the year and to be honest this was a no brainer for me is Junior Day League by Howdy Um, it was one of their singles for the record and I don't know, it's just, it just hit me right away. Like, I loved it right away. It was so special. Um, connect with the the lyrics. The melody and the chorus is phenomenal. I just love that song so much. So, yeah, what
0: about you, Andrew? You can probably tell when I start my honorable mentions and even the winner just how I've really gone, like, nostalgic this year with a lot of rock. So the stuff that I've listened to the most is a lot of rock. Um so you're not going to find a lot of indie um, music here. And partially, last few years have been indie. In fact, it's always like an indie female artist um, that I've been really into that yeah. has a standout song. And it's interesting because like been really into Mini Trees. But there's not really standout songs from that album. Like There's a few of my favorite albums that don't have a crazy standout song where it's like, Oh, even maybe when we did the podcast of Jovan, like yeah, from found, like Found in the Smoke, my favorite songs fluctuated there a bunch. Same with Manchester, same with Andrew Bell, uh Silent yeah. Planet, like a bunch of those. If Trilogy by Silent Planet came out this year, I probably would have picked that, but that did come out last year. Um so some songs that I've really loved and listened to a bunch. Um so this doesn't come out till next year. But the song came out this year. It's Under Oath's song, Damn Excuses. Uh, when that first single came out, I was like, yes, Under Oath's back to like maybe what I wanted them to be. So I love that single. Um, Thrice's song, Scavengers, does some really cool stuff with timing. Uh, that was a huge single for me. Um Spirit Box, who's a band that I really got into this year, uh, their song "Sun Killer." First time I heard that, and I love that whole record a lot. Um, but yeah, that song. But my number one is Devil Wears Prada's song "Nora." It's my favorite from Zombie EP two. Um, first time I heard it, they did like a live stream of the whole um, the whole Devil Wears Prada like Zombie EP two. Like they did some songs first and then they played the whole record straight through and when they were playing that song I was like this is it this is like I mean I liked every song I'd heard before that but um but that was a song that was like this is one of my favorite songs that they've done in a while um and it's still my favorite on that record it's funny it started out as my favorite I remember it was the one I told you when it came out I was like oh you should listen to Nora we listened to it together I love that Mike goes for some high screams in it which is cool it's almost like old plagues like uh Devil Wears Prada um and then I don't know what it is it's kind of just fun so Obviously, those records are just fun. They're not trying to be overly serious. Um, It's about a zombie apocalypse. But I love that the song Nora is talking about a girl in a zombie apocalypse. And, like, I feel like it's got more heart than some of their other ones do. And, like, hits a little bit more to home than some of their other songs do. They really paint such a, a beautiful picture of the the terror and the um just what Nora's gone through what she's learned and how she's functioning in a zombie apocalypse I don't know it's a it's a great song so that is my favorite song of the year I wouldn't have guessed it but it makes sense all right now we get into some of our official lists so The first list we're going to do is our top three EPs of the year. We like to separate these because EPs have gotten really popular um, more recently. And we used to do like, oh, what's your favorite EP of the year? But now it's like... There might be almost as many EPs coming out as albums, depending on the season or the time. And so we're now making it a top three. Um, so, yeah, Nate, what are your top three EPs of the year or end, or any uh, honorable mentions? And we'll do three to one. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go three, three, two, two, one, one? Or, or you want me to share? You know, I want to, but it's probably more confusing if we do it that way. So go ahead and just share. Okay.
1: Uh, so, the reason why we're doing top three EPs is because three rhymes with P, and we have top ten Al Bams, so they, they almost rhyme. Uh, I'm not being serious. Okay, so my honorable mention is Blame Game by Beach Money, uh, which I mentioned before, and three is Zombie 2, or Z2 EP by Dvorak Prada. Two, I have Jockey of Love by the band Toledo. I love yeah. that EP. I wish it was a full-length record. I think it would have made my top 10. Um, and I'm keeping my eye out on that band. I'm so excited for their future. It's like primarily more acoustic stuff, like very soft, but really pretty and really bright and beautiful. Um, and then number one EP is Scenery EP by Valley Valleyheart. Um, I think it's cool cuz it's such a, a change for them in direction with all four songs i'd say i'd say stepping stone is most like their past stuff and then the other three tracks just they all go off in their own different direction and each song is really solid on its own and when they come together they do really work well together um yeah i mean it's just really a great EP. I love how TIK is heavy, Scenery's light, Stepping Stones more even, and then the final track, the point, it like is just more weird, and I just love the way they work together, and it's an incredible EP. So what about you, Andrew?
0: All right, I have a quick honorable mention. It's Alabama Deathwalks album Young Runner. I think that's a great EP. Really enjoyed talking to him about the album. Uh, you can check out that episode. Um, starting now at number three, Circa Survives EP, A Dream About Love. It's a really, really chill, quiet. Album for Circus Survive. Um, it almost sounds like an Anthony Green side project. Yeah. And partially because one of the staples for me about Circus Survive is they're dueling electric guitarists doing like really cool electric guitar stuff. But it's so stripped back, they don't have that. But they were able to come up with some really cool creative things that they did musically, even with how chill it is. So I think it's. A masterful EP. Um, I actually did not expect to like it all that much. I expected, nah, it's not Circus Survive that I want, nor did I feel like I needed. No big deal. But I do feel like, and I told Nate this in a text, I feel like I will take any Anthony Green in any band ever. This past year, I finally actually really listened to Saosin's new album, which came out years ago with Anthony Green. Um, I hadn't listened to that near as much as I should have. And that's probably my most listened to album of the year. So it's kind of this weird, like, I just, I love Anthony Green. I love his voice. I really like his lyrics, too. Um, I feel like he's always been very good about being open and honest. So, Sorry. It went way too long on three but circus survive a dream about love next is valley heart scenery uh I really love that EP um the only reason it's two is because number one is Devil Wars Prada Z two. Mostly it's like that's the best Devil Wars Prada I had heard since the first Zombie EP um came out. And so it was just this to me like it's up there with some of the best Devil Wars Prada that's ever been released and you already said it does not sound like the first zombie EP in fact um, only maybe a month or two ago I decided I want to listen to them back to back they're not very cohesive back to back um, which is fine I think lyrically they're cohesive but they have such a different production sound it's, it's really different and so I think they work together from a how aggressive they are standpoint but like they're each so unique, and I think Z2 was probably not what I expected. I expected them to have this kind of throwback nostalgic sound, and they don't. They progress to a different level, but I think it is such a great EP. Honestly, Devil Wears Prada at this point could almost just release zombie EPs, and I'd be happy. Like, I almost don't need anything else because I feel like there's something about them writing in that space that brings out the best. Uh, So that is my top EP of the year. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, you can hit the subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss all of our upcoming interviews and talks about a bunch of these artists that we've uh, already mentioned and future artists here that we will get into if you like indie music and want to hear Just some dialogue about some bands that you might know and want more conversation about or bands that you don't know that you would like to learn about. This is the podcast for you. You can also reach out to us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram at LDL. Pod, and you can also email us at listening at gmail.com We would love to hear from you and have some dialogue about just your favorites of the year We're also really excited to share part 2 of this episode with you So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss part 2 Part 2 will be coming up shortly where we talk about our top 10 albums of 2021 Thanks so much for listening and have a great day
1: I'm too worried about keeping my job.